Welcome to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. My name is Donatella, my secrets. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How you doing tonight, Coco? Well, I'd be a lot better if I wasn't still stuck in Tono's TikTok. Good lord. Stuck in Tono's TikTok? It's, it's like it's like this inside joke I kind of have with him, but it's also kind of true. Yeah. Like, every time I say the word Tono out loud, like, my phone's like, oh, you need to get back into that algorithm, and then, like, my next five posts on TikTok are from all, him. I'll just be Tono's stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so funny to me. That's funny. Yeah. I... Yeah, I get that. That happens to me too when I'll just randomly be talking about things and it's like TikTok all of a sudden wants to be like, hey, here's some relevant stuff to the conversation you were having earlier today. <laughs> You're like, creepy but okay. Yeah, real creepy. <laughs> but... Real, real, real creepy. Yeah, I'm um, glad you're tailoring my experience, I guess. I know, you're just like warping my worldview to think that everybody thinks that way. I yeah, <laughs> phones are melting our brains. <laughs> so, there's that. It's true. In an effort to be more present, I actually have deleted Facebook, for, the app Facebook, from my phone. And so, the only time I really log on to Facebook is like when I'm on my computer, like around the time I'm doing homework. Um, and that's been nice. I find that it's so toxic and there's so much disinformation or misinformation mm-hmm. that is going around on Facebook that it gets incredibly frustrating to be on that platform. Agreed. Yeah. I also find that um, Facebook is a horrific place. Yeah. I I don't enjoy literally 98% of anything I do with Facebook. Yeah. Like, even when there's, like, no mess. Like, because I find myself getting caught into the like hole. Uh-huh. Like, where I'm wondering, like, wow, none of these things that I'm posting are getting any likes. Um, like, and then the second I do get a few likes and I'm on people's radars or something like that, and then people mm-hmm. start trolling me and they're really nasty. Yeah. So I'm really not in love with Facebook by any shape of the word yeah i i think taking my break away from social media has been like i've I've talked about it before on here when i see the like facebook rewinds or the memories or whatever Mm -hmm. that are on there i'm like do i really need to be posting this at this time like did the entire world really need to know this and i've gotten to the point where i'm way more selective about the stuff that i'm putting out there online Mm -hmm. there are times when i'll be like in a mood and i'm like i should probably post about it and then i'm like no don't do that I've also become just, like, so much more of a loner, and I think that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just, like, I feel like I'm just getting a little bit more emotionally mature, and when I look back at, like, a lot of the stuff I posted in my 20s, I was like, I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb. <laughs> I use Facebook for the memories. Um, sure, photo memories, but, like, my on-this-day kind of stuff, I really like that. Yeah. I like being able to look back um, on my time hop and see... Uh, how I felt about something in a moment. And I, I like actually looking at my... You cr- like that. I like looking at my cringy posts. Really? Um, well, yeah. Well, think about it this way. Like, I worked really hard to find some semblance of happiness in my life in yeah. every phase of my life. Yeah. So, like, I didn't have Facebook until I was in college. Yeah. Of, Facebook started as a college app, just so everybody knows. I did. And, like, and and Mesa at the time did not... Wasn't on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I used tried to register my email. didn't work. So when they finally got on, so I like I have posts from when I like was in like my freshman year of college mm-hmm. on there when they finally lo- allowed us in. Um, but yeah, so it'll like show me something and I'm just like, oh, yeah, like I remember I had a post that said I will never, ever date anybody. I'm so alone. Nobody will ever love me. Yeah. And I look at that. And I'm like, God dang it. You just had to wait like a little bit longer and you were going to be fine. 
like yeah. stuff like that I, yeah i like looking at that stuff i also like looking about my journey through love like mm-hmm. through heartbreak sadness happiness marriage and all that stuff i like looking at that i think i like looking at it because i'm happy yeah like it's, but i i like i do like to see the journey yeah yeah i mean that makes sense i uh i think maybe because i'm still getting there it's just not as happy yeah, that makes, <laughs> makes sense I don't like looking at my weight loss journey because I'm fatter than I've ever been in my life. So, like, I'll see pictures. I saw a picture today of me, like, when I felt super fat, like, three years ago doing drag. Mm-hmm. And, like, I looked so good. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, God. I was like, you didn't even know how thin you were, girl. <laughs> I, I've Jesus. seen those photos for myself as well. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Mama. But you got to give yourself some, you know, cut yourself some slack and know that, you know, your patterns have changed mm-hmm. and... You know, it's just, it takes time to, like, get back into the swing of things. And it really does. you know what? You can be happy at whatever weight you are. And a lot of that is just kind of, like, changing our mind. Mm-hmm. And also just striving to, like, be the shape, too, that is comfortable for you and is not yeah. ruled by other people. I think that's been a big lesson for me is, like, yeah, I don't want other people's views of me to dictate, like, how I present myself and mm-hmm. my body. You know, because that's weird. I think I did that for too long. Yeah. Coming from a family that is like fit freaks, you know, I, I, um, and I say that in the nicest way possible. Um, they like to exercise a lot and are very strict about it. Me, not so much. I'm kind of a stoner, kind of chill, kind of laid back. And so when I came home, actually, for this last trip, I wore mostly like baggy sweaters because <laughs> I didn't want my weight to be like a point of like discussion mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely yeah I forgot to ask what are you wearing this evening well actually I'm kind of doing this like like gender twisted quicksilver look tonight oh, um just as like a superhero I just got my hair I, w- I was a rose a nice rose gold and now I'm a nice uh silverly silvery purple that is graced upon my head. So I, I was just inspired to be, you know, the Scarlet Witch's sister. Oh, I love that. And drag tonight. What about you? What are you oh, wearing? I'm dressed as the Scarlet Witch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sweet. Um, the, well, fat version. And um, <laughs> uh, I do have the headpiece. I made it out of paper mache. I did not yeah. paint it. Oh. Um, that's why it's gray and black. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but I did find a purple leotard and a cape. Mm. Um, and I am wearing red high heels, mm-hmm. and I'm wearing a red afro. <laughs> so I dig it. That's just it. a whole journey for me right now. You know what? You know, it's not cosplay because it's not quite on the nose as to what she wears, <laughs> but it's your own interpretation, and that's beautiful. We all, we all have to like our things. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um, so this episode, I did want to talk to Donna about her trip back home. She was... In Grand Junction for left roughly about five yeah five around days. five days yeah um, so tell us about what it was like when you arrived. Um, my youngest nephew didn't recognize me. Oh. Um, <laughs> it was it was kind of funny though because like my brother in law got me to my sister's place, mm-hmm. and I arrived pretty late at night. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> I was sitting there in the kitchen talking to my sister and my brother-in-law and my little nephew like pulls is like hugging my sister's leg and he goes, "Mommy, are you sure that's Uncle Don Don?" Wow. <laughs> because at this point too, I like my hair was pink 
I had hair. I've mm-hmm. always been bald. Like I, the last time I saw him was when he was a year and a half old, and he's always only ever seen me bald and with no facial hair. Makes sense. So I mean, it it was just kind of a funny moment. We all laughed about it. I like it did kind of. I was like, oh dang. Like I do really. I I recognize that my appearance changes a lot, and like my family loves to point that out. But I also like feel more me than I've ever felt in my life. So I feel like this is the first time I'm really like presenting authentically as me because I have full control over how I'm presenting. Um, so what was it like staying in the home of a police officer being a Portlander? Um, we definitely had some productive conversations, but for the most part, I, I wanted to respect their space and just kind of like keep a lot of what I felt to myself. We did have some great, like productive conversations together though. Um, and that that was nice. Give us some insight. What, um, what do you mean by productive? I I just kind of talked about like my feelings. Um, I, I talked about my experience too with mm-hmm. police officers and why I definitely have like bad experiences. Um, mm-hmm. I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I was the like first hate crime to happen on the CMU campus in ten years, mm. and um, it was due to. I got jumped essentially for holding hands with a guy on campus. And I, uh, unfortunately the police didn't really do like a great job in, um, making me feel safe and Mm. also in finding, um, the people that did what they did to me. Um, Mm -hmm. and that kind of, I think that gave me a, a very steady mistrust for, authority figures and police officers specifically i always i have said on the podcast before i think it's really good to have a healthy um distrust of police Mm -hmm. officers yeah um i I feel like it keeps you safe to be honest yeah yeah i i just i i think i realized that like priorities aren't always to like protect and serve the people in that instance and that was Mm -hmm. i mean that was just my own personal experience but obviously with everything that's happened over the like the last like couple of years um and a lot of people who were kind of blind to people of color's experience specifically with police officers like it woke us up a lot more Mm -hmm. and it made me hyper aware and i you know i got to have some of those like nice conversations uh with my sister about that you know how like the term i don't see color is counterproductive and that in saying that you don't see color, you're also saying that you don't see the struggles of people of color. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I think they were conversations that were, you know, like they happened and they weren't like aggressive conversations from either of our ends. Like we got to like, I got to kind of hear, hear out things that they wanted to say and I, and they got to hear things I wanted to say, but it wasn't, I, I wasn't going to like sit there and try and like, argue and like cause problems while I'm trying to celebrate my mom's 50th birthday. And, um, I think that would have just further like built a bigger divide between us. No, that makes sense. Um, and are you close with your sister? I am. Yeah. My sister and I are actually very close. Um, we're both kind of like peacemakers. Who's older? I am. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one thing everyone actually gets confused is like they think that I am the younger sibling um, because I've kind of <laughs> been stuck in a bit of like arrested development for the last decade. Um, but that's okay. You that's know what? That's what that phrase means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of queer people are, though. You mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of queer people experience arrested development. I think. Um, we become stunted because we get kind of in this like cycle of um, being so traumatized and not knowing how to healthily like cope with some of the trauma that we've been through mm-hmm. and in, in our lives. And it's, I think there's a lot of queer experiences that are very universal, but there's also a lot of experiences that are incredibly unique to our own situation. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, nice having her though i love my sister i um definitely like have a better understanding for her after like having some of the conversations that we had and i really do appreciate her as a as a mom and a person she does a great job at raising my nephews so that's great yeah um oh before i get too far into it donna how are you doing this evening oh coco i will let you know after this brief break it's a podcast with Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. Tune into what they tell you. Podcast with Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. Well, Coco, I am feeling present, enlightened, <laughs> and uh, happy that we are having this conversation about what it means to go back to the place where I became incredibly traumatized <laughs> yeah t did uh did they do a haunted night of drag this year do you know i don't think so no no oh. they didn't um there was a college show the call co- the college show the halloween sh- college show that they always mm. do that we were always a part of um i did not attend that um <laughs> have a hard time going on that campus as is mm-hmm. so i don't know i really took the time to spend time with family while i was there i don't know i i feel like I am more preserving of like my energy and I also noticed that on this trip even when there were situations where I really had to like set boundaries for myself with people that wanted to push those boundaries I was able to do so Mm. and I think that's mostly due to me going to therapy for like a solid almost two years and like having the tools to be like listen i'm not gonna let you get me to this place i'm setting this boundary i don't feel comfortable discussing this with you anymore and that's there's no harm in that it may it here's the thing i've learned from setting boundaries it makes the other person extremely uncomfortable because you set the boundary and stuck up for yourself but after that usually it's fine yeah i i I definitely know how you feel. Mm -hmm. I've been setting some boundaries with people in my life just as recently as a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And I realized that when I set that boundary with them, they lash out and they like try to like hit on the boundary a little bit at first to see if like you're going to back down because you're confident in setting that boundary. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I recognize that the more people you do to it, like it's like, it's a, it's an immediate reaction. It is that they like, now I will admit that like, if you set a boundary in the middle of a dialogue that silences another person, mm-hmm. then that can also be abusive to them. Yes, for um, sure. You obviously have to give them space to talk to, mm-hmm. but like it can also, but like when you're, cause mine was a conversation boundary. Yeah. And I said, I said, I need to set a boundary here because I feel like, 
um, anything that you say from this point on, I was like, is going to make it seem like you're invalidating my feelings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, because you will not apologize and you will just acknowledge your own feelings. Mm. And I was like, and I need to set this boundary for myself here that I have to remove myself from this conversation because I know that you're about to do to me. Yeah. And, yeah, um, it was actually really helpful. Well, just... I mean, that's such a good way to do it because you use the I feel statement and you're like, listen, this is going to be counterproductive if we keep going the way that we are. So there's no point. In yeah. It, you know, oh, God, especially the no point part. Yeah. Um, so did when you were home. So um, they didn't do that's kind of sad. So tell yeah. me about um, let's go to the party. What was the party? Did did your sister did? Because, oh, sorry, let me back up. Before we died, before you died, before you left, uh-huh. uh, we said that it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. Did um, they try to make it a surprise? They did. They did make it a surprise. The last time, my mom, I don't think my mom likes surprises in general. Um, <laughs> she she definitely did come off as surprised this time, and she, she was most surprised that I was there because, like, literally everyone that knew hid it from her for many months. Um, mm. And there was actually quite a few people in my family that knew that I was coming out, um, mm. and she was the only one that didn't. And so, like, when she saw me, she's like, are you just here for the night? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, my private jet that I took out just flew me out for the night, Mom. That's <laughs> like, <God>. what? <laughs> You're like, yeah, sure. I'm like, no, I'm staying here for like a decent amount of time. And your husband and your daughter have known about this for months. They're months. They're the one who orchestrated it. And she was actually this time pleasantly surprised to see me. I think last time, I mean, my sister had, she had gotten it in her mind that my sister was pregnant and was going to have another kid. And so when I showed up and I had showed up after getting into arguments with family online all summer long. <laughs> it wasn't the best surprise for her. No, I bet not. But, but and, this uh, time it was. So where was the party at? Was it at your My sister's house? My sister's house. Oh, your sister's house. So it's a, yeah, she has a much like wider open area for mm. the party to happen. And yeah, she had it there. And yeah, it was, um, that was where actually at that party I got into the argument with one of my great aunts and... It was just kind of like a like a verbal like sparring going back and forth. And I find that a lot of the times when I'm trying to just kind of keep the conversation moving, I got I felt kind of ambushed in the conversation, honestly, because like I wasn't trying to have those conversations there. Mm-hmm. This was a party that I was there to celebrate my mom's 50th birthday at. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't trying to argue with anyone or defend my worldview, which right. I, I fucking hate. Um, psychology, by the way, states that if you come at someone trying to attack their worldview, um, they, are, instead of listening to you, if you're coming at them with evidence and like really factual stuff, they're going to double down on their beliefs. Oh yeah. No matter what. So I find those conversations to be fairly unproductive to begin with, mm-hmm. um, unless both parties to, are willing to admit that they could be oh, wrong, yeah. oh, you yeah. know? And I feel like a lot of the times that's not the case. No, um, that's not what happens. So, uh, I, I felt kind of like at the party kind of like cornered at one point and it was towards the end by my great aunt and she was um, just bringing up like different things that I didn't fully agree with you know um, BLM came up and um, you know I it, it was when we started getting into some of the victims of police brutality and she was kind of making excuses on the police part for Mm -hmm. some of these that I stopped her and I said, I disagree with you. Mm -hmm. Said, I don't feel comfortable 
discussing this any further with you here. Yeah. And we left it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We left it at that. She gave me a hug and that was the end of the conversation. And basically I moved on. I, I did feel a little bit jarred because it was like, I was having a bunch of that information um, kind of put at me by her. And I, I, Okay, so what I was trying to say earlier is that, like, when I'm I'm talking with someone in these conversations, mm-hmm. I find that in order to just keep it moving along, I'll just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. And I'm not necessarily agreeing with the person. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to take in what it is that they're saying, yes. but I'm not agreeing with them. I'm just like, uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm. And it's it's a way that I, I conversate, converse, <laughs> uh, just say talk. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a way that I uh, talk with people that, I I do I think it's my Libra moon if I'm gonna get all hippy dippy and astrology like right now because I just kind of want to like keep the peace right. and like be like okay everything's good like I don't want to fucking argue right now right. Um, but yeah I don't know I've noticed that I've become hyper aware about myself in these instances yeah well because it's also part of growing up is it is learning how to have some of these dialogues without it being like the end of the world because i feel like in portland a lot of the times it is the end of the world yeah and that gets really toxic so i feel like we've both learned from that a little bit yeah for sure though i did have one today and i i'm gonna say it on this podcast what happened um so i was at uh, this happened in my lunch break and whatever i was talking about how unsafe portland is getting downtown Uh because it is the gun violence is just like on a huge rise Mm -hmm. and like i've been involved in lots of different gun related incidents over the last like month yeah some i've witnessed some i've heard about at my establishment and things like that but um one of my coworkers made a comment Mm -hmm. about i was like yeah i was like yeah, the gun violence is just getting so bad and blah, 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 blah. And, like, they're saying, they're like, oh, you know, it's fine. Like, the houseless people or whatever, like, you know, uh, you know, still a little much. But, like, it's fine. And we were kind of talking. And then, like, and I was like, yeah. And I was, like, kind of, like, walking away inside. And I was like, I was like, oh, because one of my coworkers, like, Portland used to be known as, like, the stabby town. Yeah. And, like, um, and I was like, yeah. I was like, I've heard that, actually. Mm-hmm. I was like, but now they all have guns. Yeah. And I was like, and to be honest, I was like, it, it might, because he made a joke. He's like, well, no. He's like. He's like, yeah, it's still Tabby Town, but now they have guns. I was like, well, if somebody pulls out a, a knife, somebody's going to shoot them with a gun. Yeah. And, and it, we're kind of joking about it. And then, like, my other coworker, who's not in my department, said, he's like, yeah, and it's probably related to BLM, because I'm pretty sure that that's what they wanted, is what he said, or something to, to that effect. And I was just like, mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I, I was like, I, so I was like, God damn it. <laughs> did it. I mean, it did get you to, like, join into the conversation about it though right like you had some did you say anything to him i said or? nothing about it damn because it's because it's work That's yeah it is no like, it is and i i forget the emotional labor that it honestly is god the emotional train. labor of effing work and like yeah so i kind of laughed it off i could tell like i looked at his face immediately and he felt like he's like oh crap i talked about blm in front of a black person because i probably don't have that many black friends or some crap mm-hmm. like that Actually, I shouldn't say that, but I don't know if he does or not. But regardless, you, I could see the look on his face being like, maybe that was a little bit too far. And um, but it's it's nice to know how people's feelings actually come out. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Because it makes me recognize like who I can really like. I don't know. It just there's a lot of emotional labor, like you said, and those boundaries are really important. And but the thing is, like this time, like I don't feel like I brought it up. Mm-hmm. Like I we were talking about. Um. um Portland and just uh, oh, because like most of my 
direct coworkers know all the unsafe things that have happened. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we, that's why we're kind of just talking about that subject, mm-hmm. not specifically, like, groups of people and everywhere. And so, like, to, for it to go in that direction when I wasn't prepared for it was just like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> just, and I like that person so much. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Ugh, I hate that crap. It's a lot of emotional labor. It, it is, and it sucks when it comes from someone that you had, like, some respect for to mm-hmm. begin with. Yeah, I at work I've been having a lot of those conversations as well. Yeah, and I, and I know that people won't back me up either, so that's also why I keep my mouth shut. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, my boundary setting started with someone at work that I was having a lot of, like, disagreements with. Oof. And... I felt like that prepared me for this last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Where you were just like, oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, every, any, anything and everything has come out of this kid's mouth. And um, I just, yikes. just like ignorant stuff. I've flat out been like, that is ignorant. I was like, that is so ignorant. You're like, that's not fun. That's not interesting. Yeah. I well, I mean, I, I feel like the only way to like, call it as it is is to like say it you know Mm -hmm. like when someone says something that is like just kind of like messed up like i i I have to call it out when it's just pure ignorance Mm -hmm. i'm like do do some work like educate yourself like don't keep like falling into confirmation bias Mm -hmm. too like honestly like if you are listening to like for instance like people who like to uh try and go against blm will use um some of their like some of the conservative black figures as a way to like validate their arguments right or yeah. celebrities that come out against blm or yeah, something like, like when that they use right kanye west for anything kanye west um there's those two like republican twins that are on like youtube mm-hmm. that are um both black and they constantly are are you know they're they're they come from the south and they have like some very conservative talking points and it's like yeah obviously you're gonna agree with those people because they're validating your worldview Mm -hmm. but why don't you listen to what black scholars have to say on the issue yeah you know not these celebrities not these like political commentators like listen to what people who are doing scholarly like research on on these things are are saying you know listen to that um it just does it really does frustrate me because i i feel like not everyone is open open to like receiving information that is like really well documented and like if you looked into like different type of like different types of uh documentaries scholarly Mm -hmm. articles all that kind of stuff they would find that like maybe the things that they've been taught have are not true and and have come through a lens of people who have their own experiences and maybe that's why they think the way they think you know absolutely i i don't know it just it gets frustrating i mean it's kind of the same logic about the way some of your family thinks about things yeah yeah like and and the thing is about like as you grow older, you start to understand that you can't necessarily, like, especially when it comes to family or people you have to have in your life, like coworkers, mm-hmm. um, you have to, like, have a little bit of grace and understanding about that this person has different worldviews, as yeah. long as those worldviews aren't harmful. But then also, even if they are harmful, usually violence isn't the way somebody's going to change their opinion. No. But I, actually, I thought, I had this thought today, just a side note. When I was getting ready this morning in the shower, mm-hmm. I was like, I miss the threat of just like smacking a bitch, being stupid. Um, like, 
like my ex's dad, he said that he's yeah. like, sometimes you would just like go beat somebody in the street mm-hmm. for saying something stupid or coming at you crossways. And then you were usually fine afterwards. And like, you might even be friends afterwards if you mm-hmm. beat the living crap out of them for being stupid. Yeah. And like nowadays you just let people spout off all this nonsense to your yeah. face and you just have to be calm while yeah. it's happening. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is like the greatest, like... I feel like that's the best response. I think when you respond with violence, it does show, like, ignorance as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But I also do think that punching Nazis is great, you know? (laughs) That's how I feel. I think we should make racists afraid again. Racists Um, really need to be afraid again. Yeah. Like, my God. I don't know. I just, there are, like, certain, I mean, as as the leftist that I am now, that's Mm -hmm. a big thing for me is, like, I really have... I, you know, I found my way to bond with my family here. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Um, especially with some of my extended family hmm. was to talk about my own issues that I have with the Democratic um, that I have with Democrats. Mm. And and never fail to mention that I have even bigger issues with Republicans or around right. the same issues. But I am so, I even said I use the word demystified by the two-party system. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so true. I think, I think a lot of people for a long time put faith in the system thinking that um, we could see like some sort of benefits from the people in power. But I think more and more we're realizing how absolutely useless they are in a lot of this. Um, I'm extremely frustrated by the gridlock we're experiencing in the Democratic Party to where we can't get anything fucking done. Yeah, this is so weird. I like... Biden's been in office for like well not almost a year but it's going to be coming up on a year here yeah, soon. Yeah. And I don't feel like anything's really happening. No. No, everything everything that he ran on, every single thing, I don't think there's been one thing. That, there was, there's I, I mean it was like the first day um when he went and signed in that like that uh that room that's Uh-huh. Um, in the White House, like, you know, some monumental Yeah, some undoing uh, of some undoing of really uh, horrible things. Like yeah. that great absolutely great with executive orders yes those were absolutely beautiful that was great that did show that he did listen because some of them were the things that like i voted for him for yeah yeah right um but since then it's been like like i listen to the news every morning and i always have a political update from npr Mm -hmm. and like regardless of how you feel about npr like um there hasn't been like biden did x y and z to do x y and z yeah just like I know that they had, like, a huge conference on, like, climate change and stuff like that. And I remember Biden saying, yeah, we met and, like, you know, we were making some plans. and mm-hmm. but, but that was it. Like, that's that's how I – that's all he said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's been incredibly frustrating for me. It's been very infuriating. I mean, I got to work fairly closely with the Democratic National Committee during the election. Mm-hmm. Um and I fundraised for different, like, nonprofits for a job that I was doing. I'm not going to act like this was, like, amazing work that I was doing out of, like, you know, my heart because I was getting paid for it. <laughs> Obviously, I was making some money while I was doing it. But it, I did feel like I was making some sort of difference, and it made me feel like I was doing something yeah. during the time. But yeah. I feel so angered by Democrats, Um I feel like they're Republicans, but they slap a BLM sticker on <laughs> on their um, cover, you know, on their oh, on on that's what it is. Tea. Yeah, they that's slap a, a BLM sticker, a rainbow fucking flag, like on it, and then then they just go ahead and like fuck everyone over still. Yep. And 
it's gotten incredibly like just frustrating for me. I I think there needs we need to abolish the two party system. I don't mm-hmm. believe I think we need to instill term limits. I am so just like term limits that would be so helpful. Uh, it's just it's just been so like frustrating to sit here and see absolutely nothing get done um over yeah. the, over almost the past year. Yeah. And yeah, heartbreaking. I don't know. I I feel like I mean, I've kind of talked about it before, but we're coming to the end of an era, I think, for the U.S., and we're going to see, like, catastrophic changes, and that may happen um, in a very catastrophic way, you know? Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I could see it happening in a very, like, disastrous way if we don't get our shit together soon, and a lot of that means, like, getting rid of these fucking boomers that are making all the decisions for us, you know? Yeah, removing them from their positions of power. Yeah. And making sure that we put people into place who are a little bit more woke with what's happening in the country and in our world. And then also, like, it's just the wage disparity is just the wage ga- gap is terrible. It's larger than it was when the French Revolution started. Yeah, it's, it's um, I even just visiting Touche's house. Yeah. Um, to seeing what, like, moderately wealthy looks like. I was just like, Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is so different. Yeah. Um, and the problems are also different. Yeah. Um, was I was recognizing, and and I know she's not rich or whatever, but like even seeing like just what a modicum of extra income can do. Yeah. Um, for like somebody like that, I was just like, wow, this is yeah. a whole different life. It is. Like that, I can't even uh, I can't even dream about. Yeah. Um, and and. The, that's the other thing too like and then because then you get people who are so broke and so poor Mm -hmm. that the stuff that they're willing to accept is just like peanuts yeah like i i think that the thing that sucks most in this country is like there's extreme poor there's extreme like poverty and you can be covered by a lot of like the programs if you're in that like, I mean, and this is this is like not working a forty hour job mm-hmm. every week, you know, like like if you're in that if you're in that level, usually you're not getting a full forty hours. No, you know, um, but here's the thing is like even if you are getting a full forty hours that say what fifteen dollars an hour, mm-hmm. it's still hardly enough to live. No, it's yeah. hardly enough to live. No, like it's not enough money. It's not enough money. Not and enough money. I'm I'm struggling so much, like even just getting a raise with my new job, and like still like trying to stay covered with health insurance. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing that happened to me recently that I'm having to reevaluate. Is like I can't be on OHP anymore oh, because shoot. I'm making just a little bit too much to be on OHP, and the things that this could have been resolved had Democrats and Republicans come together, had some productive talks and implemented some Medicare expansion for people, you know, expanded the benefits to fit people who are still living very much so in poverty, but need these benefits because, you know, they need health, health care. Like we have millions of Americans that are not covered. Right. And Obamacare is just not um, no, financially it's, feasible. It's not. It's not. Especially it, for a couple. Well, it, yeah, especially for a couple. But it's also because like the way Obamacare works is like um, I'm going to take every god dang cent you own. And then when you file for your taxes, uh-huh. then I'm going to give it all back to you. And uh-huh. it's like. Yeah, but like, what am I supposed to do for the twelve the meantime, months prior? To yeah, that, yeah. When um, you just stole all of my money. My money, yeah. Like, my goodness, it's so health insurance is so, like, I do live in a position. I live now wealthy enough to where two hundred dollars a month out of my paycheck 
isn't going to break me. But I remember being like even seven years ago, two hundred dollars mm-hmm. for my paycheck. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, like <laughs> I'd have been poor. Like, well, especially too when we're living in a system where it's like a lot of employers aren't even providing insurance for their employees. No, it's it's cheaper to take the tax penalty. Yeah, well, and if we're if we're living in a fucking system where the burden falls on the employer and not the government to make sure that these mm-hmm. people are insured, then why aren't they fucking being forced to do that? You know, like the tax penalty, the tax penalty should be higher or, you know, like, or we just need fucking universal health coverage. Honestly, yeah, like that's, that's the, the, uh, cure all for this. We do need universal health coverage because we have currently the least effective and most expensive system in all of the developed world. And it's just sad. It is sad and heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, going off on a little bit of a tangent. <laughs> um, yeah, politics came up a lot. Overall, you know what? Being in Junction was, it was a good experience because I did get to see my family. Um, and especially like my immediate family that I really cared um, to spend some time with. Um, that was nice. Um, it was good quality time. I, I uh, yeah. I don't know. I had a I had a good time. I'm I'm glad I didn't end up going out anywhere. I mean, I wouldn't have anyway. I don't go out anywhere anymore <laughs> like here. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have made sense for me to go out and try and reconnect with people from my past that I don't really have any kind of desire to reconnect with. I'm getting stuck. Stuck in those connections. Yeah. That aren't really going anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't know. I just I feel like a very different person and I feel like I've moved on a lot from like the negative, like the, the way I used to be when I was in junction where I was living through my trauma and now I feel like I'm recognizing bad patterns and yeah, healing a lot, healing, healing an immense amount. And you should, because you deserve it. Thank you. I, I've realized actually that i think i'm just happier alone um instead of trying to like feed into this never-ending cycle of dating people for a short period getting hurt and then not being able to recover i'm finding a lot more peace in searching deep down for the answers that i want for my life and for myself and i don't think that any one person can provide that for me right now because I don't think I'm in the spot where I won't compromise in order to not feel alone with someone. And that's unhealthy. And that's something that I'm recognizing. It's very unhealthy. Um, Yeah. uh, A relationship is supposed to be two complete people coming together. Yeah. It's not supposed to be two halves of the same whole. Yeah. That's because like when one of you starts to heal, then the other one feels like a burden. Yeah. (laughs) Well, for sure. And, and I, I think too, like having a fixed checklist of things that I want in a partner Mm -hmm. and not making excuses for the red flags that come up is going to be a way that I can move forward and like Mm -hmm. really have like a good, good thing for myself in the future. I, I think for, I mean, you saw it too many times where you would be like, um, this isn't really great. And I'd be like, oh, but that's just how they are. You know, I'm going to make an excuse. And, and I just hate it. I hate that because it was, it was a lot of the times out of desperation and and needing attachment. And I feel like a more, 
strong person standing on my own and not trying to seek validation and in a romantic partner well i have a problematic uh, i have a problematic new outlook on life that i just realized is like um up until recently i felt very uncomfortable in the love that i had with adam yeah because i felt like i didn't deserve it because that's trauma mm-hmm. it tells you that you don't deserve good things yes but logically adam made the most sense mm-hmm. and like because he was good to me he was kind he was sweet and he was loving yeah these are all good things yes but my mind was consistently telling me that i didn't deserve this to the point of where at times i would question the relationship i was like am i even happy or am i forcing myself to be in this because everything else is just good yeah and then um so in that circumstance obviously i'm glad that i didn't like tear away from this positive thing in my life yeah because i know that like when somebody like an abused woman might be like be like oh but like he's so great all the time but he's abusing you this is a toxic Mm -hmm. relationship in my case it was he was doing all the great things never abusing me and always listening but you couldn't accept it but i couldn't accept it and so because what sometimes when you tell people you're like i'm unsure in this relationship they immediately say then you probably should find somebody else and that's not necessarily always the case Mm -hmm. sometimes it is you are compromising who you are to be with somebody mm-hmm. other times it's you're just not used to a good thing yeah i think really that's very true it. i think that's very true um for someone who yeah i think it, it's exactly that not being used to having someone who not only delivers your expectations but goes above and beyond your expectations yes and and it's it's weird i i, I have just now recently over this like last month or two started to really recognize how comfortable I was in my relationship in a good Mm way Um, because it's just, it's been so consistent. It's Mm -hmm. given me time to learn and grow and feel at peace. And then also, I'm also unlearning lots of traumatic tendencies as we do, as we process trauma and how we go through those things. Cause like this podcast is, it's just me and Donna processing trauma. Essentially. Yeah. It's us having these, (laughs) these long winded talks trying to like process what we've been through. But I'm glad that we do it. Yeah, me too. And the the last note on that is I am not telling people to stay in relationships because they feel like they might get better. I'm saying that maybe stick it out in a relationship that actually is good. Yes. With all the things that you think are good and what you need for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Don't do the lat the the prior. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the latter is great, but yeah, don't yes. don't stick in in those types of relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess that brings us to the end of our episode. Yeah, I think it does. Thank you everyone for listening and thank you for just processing these uh traumatic events with us <laughs> it's not all traumatic actually it's all it's just really nice to um have a little bit of like self-awareness and to share the things that we're learning as we're learning them i guess you know yeah let's yeah. let's keep growing together listeners yeah exactly bye, bye. this has been another episode of a gem of a secret podcast the hosts of a gem of a secret podcast are donatella my secrets and coco jim holiday you may follow Donatella My Secrets at Donatella underscore My Secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Jim Holiday at Coco Jim Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at The Touche Douche and at Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more exclusive content, visit www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is a J E M of a secret podcast dot com. <laughs> <laughs>
Be sure to tune in every week on Thursday for a new episode wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, email us at agemofasecretpod at gmail.com. Please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye.